Welcome to Startup Roaster, Garage Society's podcast for the time entrepreneur. Um, I'm here today with Casey Lau, um, Hong Kong startup legend. Uh, and we're going to have a little chat about uh, his past in the ecosystem here, what he's up to at the moment, uh, what the future holds, and uh, just dive into tech, startups, comics. He's a man of many passions, so uh, travel, uh, maybe get, he's, he's always in a different country and we're very lucky to have him here for a, a week or two, or he's here till Christmas now maybe. No. No Korea. So uh, find out where he's Sorry. been, where he's going, um, learn about the best ways to travel light um, and about maybe <laughs> the minimalist life because it sounds like he's uh, yeah. moving in that direction at the moment. So Casey, um, what's happening? Why are you in Hong Kong? Hi James. Um, I, Hong Kong is still my base, so people may think I live in Hawaii or I live in Dublin or somewhere else. I do live in Hong Kong. I still call it my base after all these years. Um, uh, but I do do a lot of traveling, as you mentioned. So I am usually somewhere else. I'll be as a recording of, at the time of this recording. I'm heading to Seoul next week, mm -hmm. and then I'll be heading to Lisbon after that for Web Summit, um, and then I'll be back. Yeah. Um, and then I'll be out again. So just bouncing in and out, going to wherever conferences are, wherever yeah. I'm speaking or I'm attending conferences, you know, things like that. So. I feel like Hong Kong's a good base, yeah. so you know everything here is easy for me to access, and you know it's very, you know, utilitarian. I call yeah. it uh, to get around, um, and uh, yeah. So, so all this all this travel is kind of part of two of your key roles, I guess, which is co-host of Rise. Um, yes. Here in Hong Kong, and then you're still with Blue Startups in Hawaii. No, no. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm still the co-host of mm -hmm. Rise, and the the role is expanded now, so that I am more of a full-time co-host so when ride is not happening i am uh, an ambassador i With guess the face. i'm the face the yeah face and the voice so patty cosgrave of course as everybody knows is the founder of web summit and the founder of rise and so but of course he has three four other conferences that he's um running out of uh dublin so uh for the rest of the time i am the face basically so i go and travel around to either around Asia, around the world actually, just talking about Asia, mm -hmm. how important it is, what's going on in the startup ecosystem, technology ecosystem here. And then of course, invite people to come back, to be speakers, be partners, whatever it may need, we need to be done to um, get more exposure for the conference, right? Yeah. Because this is this year uh, was the fourth year mm -hmm. and it was the biggest year yet. Yeah. So I guess I kind of do that already, but now I guess I'll be focused more on it um, for at least the next year. Yeah, and if someone wasn't uh, aware of your sort of your background, what sort of were the building blocks, I guess, for you to get involved in the ecosystem here in Hong Kong and then to be part of Rise when it, and sure. get involved as a co-host? Well, I guess a lot of people know me from Startup HK mm -hmm. because that's kind of the, the most recent iteration of the whole startup ecosystem here mm -hmm. in Hong Kong. But I'm actually, I actually go back to this thing called the dot-com era. Yeah. So it's a time when people used um, dial-in modems yeah. to get into the internet. Um, so I was around during that. Basically, I came from Canada to Hong Kong and almost immediately launched this e-commerce website. So that was the, the whole thing that got me into the thing. Um, and of course, after the bubble burst on that, it kind of went nascent for a while, but I was doing a lot of, uh, uh, I guess you can call it consulting, helping other companies get into internet, things like that, until this kind of second round wave came or about. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was doing it back in the dot-com time, there were guys meeting at a coffee shop or a bar and talking about startup stuff, either helping people with their hosting or investors and things like that so i found that that was something that needed to be continued mm -hmm. because it's just a natural yeah. thing for me to do this kind of community building and ecosystem building and so that's what happened with startups hk in 2009 meaning mm -hmm. that next year will be the 10th anniversary of wow. of us getting together in that coffee shop for the first yeah. time um and, meet, and just starting to talk yeah. right about startups 
Um, so yeah, it's pretty crazy uh, from that. And then, you know, from Startup to HK, we started the first co-work space called Boot, which was in Wan Chai, mm -hmm. in the, uh, near, next to the Hopewell Center. It was a thousand square feet. And uh, it's the first time I'd ever heard of co-work space. Yeah. Um, and then quite quickly after, you know, all these co-work space popped yeah. up. We did the first conference here as well. Um, at Cyberport called Startup Saturday. Mm -hmm. That was in 2010. Mm -hmm. We expected about 300 people. I think over 600 people showed up for that, that first year. Yeah. That was incredible. And then, of course, now this year, Rise is 15,000 people. Mm -hmm. It's just incredible. I think um, I'm very fortunate to be part of this uh, wave. Um, of course, I believe that this thing would happen no matter what. It didn't happen to be me or Gene or John or yeah. any of the guys involved. Um, but I, I think that everywhere I've gone in Asia, there's always been like, those people that just kind of stuck their head out to kind of develop the community mm -hmm. uh, by just saying, you know, I don't need to get paid for this. Yeah. I don't need to make any money off this. I'm just doing it because I'm very interested in yeah. this. Passionate, uh, passionate about this. Yeah, build connections. And uh, yeah, that's that's basically what happened. And so before we even knew what an ecosystem was or a community or any of that stuff, it just kind of built. And mm -hmm. it's just like a calling. I think it happens in anything. Yeah. Right? If you're into comic books, you'll find those people. If you're into yeah. sports, you'll find those mm -hmm. people, right? Um, but this just happened to grow out of that. Yeah, I think it's uh, there's some great pictures actually, isn't there? Boot Hong Kong and some of those early meetups. Yeah. Some of the, the, the people in those pictures, you can see how they've grown and blossomed into yeah. uh, companies and uh, real key players and leaders yeah. in, in driving yeah. that community here. Um, and I guess we never thought, or it must have been, was it there in your mind that you would get involved in things like Rise in, in the future or be someone who's, you know, you're on a huge stage now, um, yeah. speaking with some real key yeah. leaders in the industry. Yeah. Uh, thousands of people in front of you. Yeah. Was it quite natural for you to start speaking, or did, did, always, did they give you any training, or they just like go go for it? Casey? Yeah, no, I guess no, no, no training for sure. <laughs> just kind of go for it. But uh, I mean, the conference rises like um, it's just so well produced. It's like yeah. so professional compared to what I was doing before and the other conferences I've been to in, in the region here, mm -hmm. um, where it's kind of like uh, it's an afterthought of another business. Mm -hmm. So that's how most of the people did it, or ran on with uh, volunteers, things like that, right? Mm -hmm. This is an actual conference business. So to see it being put together, the um, bars that are so high raised for speakers, for exhibitors, for everything, it's not just about making money, it's about creating a really good mm -hmm. environment for the attendees, yeah. which I never had ever felt, right? Yeah. I go to the, I don't want to point any fingers at anybody, but you know, you go to conferences and it's just kind of like, okay, let's throw a bunch of people together and let them figure it out themselves, mm -hmm. right? Where Whereas coming to Rise or Web Summit, we invite you and we prepare the whole thing for you from the morning to the night and that you just kind of choose where you want to go. Yeah. But we also kind of nudge you into the places that we think you would be most exposed to what you want to do, mm -hmm. whether it be meeting investors or networking with startups or just learning about the ecosystem that in other countries. That's something that is just incredible to me. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the I believe that Web Summit Rise is not really a conference company, they're a data company. Yeah. Right? That basically, there's a lot of data on the attendees and we're using that to make the conference better every year. Yeah, that's I think that's a key part of lots of startups now, isn't it, really, to iterate. Um, what's, uh, what's your feelings on sort of Web Summit in Lisbon, I guess, which is coming up soon, um, versus Rise? Are there any, any differences in how? Wow, it, yeah, there's a huge difference. Well, yeah. the, the one in Web Summit, the Web Summit has been, this is, I think, the 10th or 11th year, right? Mm -hmm. So this is, it's been growing in Europe. Uh, for so long, and uh, they have a, this year. I think it's eighty thousand people expected, right? Yeah. So that's that's like five rises put mm -hmm. together, right? I mean, it's so big that they um, have to get the government to commit to build a bigger venue next mm -hmm. year. Yeah. Otherwise, there's too much there's of these uh, tents being built to mm -hmm. accommodate everybody. Um, yeah, it's amazing, 
And it's not like Europe doesn't have conferences. There's yeah. tons of conferences in Europe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tech conferences, startup conferences. It's just that I guess Web Summit puts on the best show, right? Mm -hmm. I believe it now to be the biggest technology conference in Europe mm -hmm. and probably the world. If you don't count like the CES and the Mobile World Congress, those kind of more traditional trade shows, this is like the one, right? Yeah. It's, it's overtaking like the tech crunches and all mm -hmm. those kind of shows. And it, I think it's just up to the point because um, there's just the content, the networking is just so perfectly put together and the team is so well executing it. Um, so I think that's why it's grown. And of course, when you go one year, you come to come back and tell your friends, you got to go check this out. It's like Comic-Con, right? Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. kind of like Same my other world, yeah, uh, yeah. the one in San Diego. You go there and you're like, I got to go to this. This thing is incredible. Yeah. You tell your friends and then you make plans for like a team of five yeah, or ten yeah. to go together. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing with these, uh, with the Web Summit conferences and Rise is that people go, they had such a great time. Um, it's business, but it's also pleasure, it's also pleasure so, kind yeah. of a, an adventure. And Hong Kong is such an amazing yeah. city that people come to and they're like, this is great. Because yeah. you see all these high, high rises and then you see all this kind of more, the tram and mm -hmm. the ferry and like the old world mixed together. The food is great. Yeah. Um, the people are, are so international here, which mm -hmm. is another huge win for Hong Kong. So, you know, it just all bubbles together, I think. Yeah. There's just a, it's half of it is the conference and half of it is the city, for mm -hmm. sure. I think it's interesting actually with the, uh, uh, say rise this summer when I was uh, doing some of the events and talking to lots of delegates coming over from other uh, countries it, it really sort of highlights also so some of the um, some of the more difficult situations in Hong Kong for startups um, some of the uh, the different ways that tech is penetrating uh, the city um, I think the main thing I, I got from a lot of people was payments for example um, I was yeah. speaking to people from Europe from uh, the US from all sorts of different uh, backgrounds and they were like why do I have to use this card for this, this yeah, payment for this. Exactly. This in Norway, I just pay everything on my phone from two p to you know thousand um, uh, pounds. It's a really interesting way, I guess, of highlighting the challenges different ecosystems are facing and the barriers that, that are there, and maybe some of the uh, opportunities, I guess. Yeah, I think that any problem in any ecosystem is an opportunity. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So while we have that problem here in Hong Kong with the different. The Apple Pay mm -hmm. doesn't seem to work on every credit card and yeah. every place that says they accept Apple Pay here. That's very confusing and frustrating. Um, I think those are the kind of things that somebody will have a chance to, to fix, right? Because yeah. once it's fixed, it's fixed, right? Yeah. It's like in China. I don't think, I think WeChat, Alipay, that's it. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, there's nobody else going to break into that, no, right? No. And it's done very well for them. And now it's going to be like, what's the next thing to build, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's frustrating, but I still think that yeah, there's still more opportunities in, in that space. Are there any Hong Kong startups going over to Web Summit this, this year? Or uh, any, any delegation heading over with you? Or definitely, just, yeah, just definitely. Other... definitely. There's definitely a lot of Asian yeah. uh, startups mm -hmm. and investors, speakers all coming out for, for mm -hmm. uh, Web Summit. I think that they see Rise as this kind of, a, uh, it's a kind of an appetizer. You yeah, know, yeah. I mean, though some people go there like, wow, this thing's massive. Yeah. But it gets even bigger than that. So I think that if you enjoyed Rise, in terms of you know what what it did for you, I mean, even if you're not looking at the European market, I think that going to Web Summit and the network because it, it's again it's it's sure they're taking place in a specific geography, but the people that go there from around the world, right? Mm -hmm. And you just never know who you're going to meet. And I think that just attending like the best conferences um, is worth the expense, right? yeah. even if you're not going to exhibit. If, but as long as you have an agenda that you're going to do this, like meet investors yeah. or do this or do that, then I think that is uh, very yeah, important. I think that's that's the key for me. Uh, from the days of graduate job fairs to yeah. conferences is having a bit of an agenda and knowing what you're doing. Don't just turn up. Yeah. You, you, you get the most value when you really yeah. got some key targets exactly. you want to take off. Um, so 
we we caught up the other week about your recent travels. I think you've been in New York. You've been in Toronto, Toronto. Tel Aviv. What's uh, as someone who really gets a chance to kind of experience all these different ecosystems and not just read about them, which I think the average person um, yes. does. Um, what's some insights and, and thoughts you have about those different those different markets? I guess. Well, definitely, uh, I also do read a lot about these ecosystems. So when I have an opportunity to go to them, I'm very uh, I either have a preconception or I'm just very excited to go. So for Tel Aviv. Um, Israel, right? That's like mm -hmm. the mecca for tech startups, I think, right now in the world. Like all the most famous ones have come from there, all the people have come from there. Mm -hmm. um, so going there to see it for the first time was, yeah, was it was amazing, mm -hmm. right? It really is incredible. So I went to a conference there called DLD, mm -hmm. and uh, so that's a lot of talk about the future. And then on the Friday before I left, I took a trip to Jerusalem, okay. and you see the past, like yeah. two thousand years yeah, ago. Yeah. It's incredible the the that all happens in one the country like that, the, and then yeah. of course the, the what's going on in the Middle East yeah, around yeah. It, around it, it's it's like um it's fascinating. It makes you think about you know how technology is super important, right? Mm -hmm. When we're in Hong Kong, we have an MTR system that's just so on point mm -hmm. that it's hard to look at other countries that don't have these things, yeah. right? So when I was in Tel Aviv, I was using the Bird scooters, right? They had just mm -hmm. launched there, so I was excited because they don't have an MTR or yeah. some kind of. I don't think they even have a bus system, right? And their taxi and Ubers are very, you know, maybe they'll show up, maybe they won't kind of thing, right? So having those uh, bird scooters there were, was pretty great. The mobility of that is fascinating. So I'm very excited about those kind of things. Um, of course, New York City. I mean, New York is like Hong Kong, um, the, the American version of it. And I don't know. I haven't been there in ages. And I, I found it to be, the city is amazing. Maybe mm -hmm. this is what people feel when they come to Hong Kong for the yeah, first time. Yeah, it's yeah. the same feeling yeah. when, I, when I've gone to New York. Mm -hmm. And I feel like... Uh, What's going on there? The people are super smart. There's so much creativity there. Yeah, uh, I think it's fantastic. And then uh, I went to Toronto for the first time as well. We're moving our North American conference collision from um, New, Orleans New Orleans to, 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 to Toronto, Toronto. Oh, really? uh, in May. Okay. And uh, we're going to do a three-year three deal there with Canada. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm from Vancouver originally. Mm -hmm. And uh, every year I go back to see my family since I've been in Hong Kong. And nothing's really happened yeah. until I guess after the Olympics. Yeah. And and since Trudeau took over, and the country is starting to get their act together for tech, and Toronto is definitely going to be a hotspot. So I feel like Collision is going to be massive, and mm -hmm. uh, have a spotlight shown on uh, Canada tech, like we did in uh, Portugal, yeah. is going to be massive for the country. So I hope that you know what we do for what, Hong Kong through Rise is going to be, you know, is there another market, hopefully so. going to catch up as well. Yeah. Any startups? From your travels recently, who are really piquing your interest of doing something new? So I'm involved now in a pro in prop tech. Yeah. Right? So future of work, prop tech is kind of my new flag in the ground. What right? kind of motivated that decision? So we, so Gene, Sue, and I, we started a new fund. We mm -hmm. wanted to do a new. We wanted to do a fund for a long time, right? So Startups HK, we've helped a lot of companies raise money mm -hmm. by introductions, right? And also by putting our stamp on it, they get a little validity since we don't really have an accelerator on like mm -hmm. that. So. But we've always wanted to participate in those things, but we never had a fund to do so. Um, so it's maybe smaller investments, just personal investments. But now we want to actually get a fund and do something. And so to do a like generic startup tech fund, it's not that focused, I mm -hmm. think. And I think nowadays more funds are going to be siloed unless they have like superstar partners involved. Yeah, yeah. I feel like oh, it's either like early stage is considered a vertical and then like fintech, prop tech whatever, ed tech, mm -hmm. any kind of technology fund I think is going to be around that. But we chose prop tech because I think Hong Kong has three main pillars mm -hmm. of business that 
and, and fintech finance is of course one of them, but the other two are highly overlooked. And the other two are very important. One is property, mm-hmm. one is uh, logistics, yeah. right? And I feel like logistics and retail can also dabble into retail as well, Small right? Retail, that's what yeah. So I feel like these are two that are very underserved. So we chose PropTech because I'm very interested in the future of work. You know, I love garage society. I love co-work spaces. I go to every co-work space I can go to and whenever I travel just to see what's going on, what they mm-hmm. look like, what's inside. Um, and so I feel like, but I do feel like there's a lot lack of technology in a lot of these spaces, mm-hmm. right? Um, where they're more property plays than they are um, technology Would plays. you say that I think in China they're definitely... Uh... There's a lot of spaces there that are starting to really, everything's done through tech. Yeah. The spaces are very, sure. very much automated. You just yeah. use your phone on everything. Yeah, exactly. And they almost have a head start and they're able to They adopt, do. Adopt one of the one, uh, one, one co space there I was at um, used WeChat mm-hmm. to log in yeah. and you paid by the minute. The minute. Yeah. Wow. But of course it's like one remnant B a minute yeah, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And you have access to the Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. access to the coffee, the beer, everything, meeting rooms. And, and, they, and they're out, everywhere. Just, they're yeah. on every block. So I never had to go to a Starbucks unless I wanted to drink that specific coffee, mm-hmm. right? So I feel like that's just yeah. the very base, minimal space. thing that yeah. we should be looking at yeah. right now, right? So I feel like, um, you know, control of the air conditioners mm-hmm. um, shouldn't be done by a remote control in every room. Yeah. I feel like um, a lot of co-work spaces or even just buildings in general, don't even know where the people are inside. Right? Yeah, yeah. As, as I see in America, um, I went to a massive um, advertising agency and I talked. I had a really frank conversation with one of the senior executives there and, and he was telling me, outside in his department, he was telling me, that person doesn't need to be here, that person doesn't need to be here, that person takes two hours to get here but doesn't really need to be here, can work from home or yeah, remotely yeah. or yeah. to another space that we have. Yeah. But they have a beautiful office mm-hmm. right there right. in Manhattan. Awesome. So, costing them an arm and a leg, which is, of course, part of the show and tell for an agency. Yeah, yeah, you can't yeah. really, oh, we don't have any staff here. They're all at home. That also looks weird, right? But I think the, the move to that is going to be massive, yeah. um, especially in places like Hong Kong, where it's super expensive. Mm-hmm. As we know, in Central, all the big banks are moving their staff to Quintong, yeah, 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 right? Quintong. Uh, for the CBD2, yeah. uh, because rent is much cheaper there and you don't really need back office here in Central. Mm-hmm. So all those dreams that we used to combat with Startups HK where, um, don't do a startup, go work for a bank so you can come to Central to work. Yo, that's totally <laughs> gone now, right? Um, you're gonna be getting working at a bank in Quintong, yeah. right? Sure, you're still working at a bank, but that allure of coming to Central is not so much, but then there's lots of co-work spaces here in Central now. So yeah. working in a startup, you would actually work, work in, Central. in Central. I suppose, yeah, yeah right? It flips on its head. And I, the one thing I also find is like the, the, the competition for talent nowadays. Like sure, a bank has a deeper pocket to always get you um, a better salary and obviously job uh, security, but startups are getting up there now too, right? Yeah. And they're really fighting in every, and countries are fighting now yeah. against each other. Um, Canada is highly aggressive in moving quality startups into their country. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's something I'm looking at as well. Since yeah. I'm Canadian, I have a bridge to Asia. I'm looking at as well, meeting startups that are interested in finding funding and mm-hmm. access to business from Canada, mm-hmm. right then. Right? And if you can't find funding here or in your country, Canada is now an option yeah. to move to and have all this access to great talent, money, and then a network healthcare. to North America. Healthcare is a massive thing. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Healthcare is a massive thing. Um, you know, because my father is from mm-hmm. Hong Kong. He immigrated to Canada yeah. and uh, supported an entire family with uh, the, the benefits of Canada. Mm-hmm. So 
uh, I feel like uh, now it's now it's a big ch challenge for everybody to build these things. And also, when I was in New York, I went to a, a talk at an interior design company during mm -hmm. the startup week they had, and uh, they were advising their clients to build their rebuild or renovate their offices for people who are now 13 years old. Okay. Right. So I was like, wow. What they're gonna yeah. But they're going to be in the, the next workplace. 10 years. Yeah. They're going to be, and it's going to be a, a fight for getting that talent into yeah. your workspace. And if you have cubicles and un, uncool space, you're not going to get these people. They're going to go to those other places, especially that early time. Yeah. Um, and then those startups will have enough money to pay for these people, like the Google. Well, you know, you don't want to say Google, or whatever. But you know, the next 10 years, who knows what the next big tech companies will be? And so building for that future is amazing to me, mm -hmm. right? Like that, the foresight there is incredible. And so if I'm in a city in the ecosystem that doesn't have that foresight, I feel a little bit scared yeah. because it's not a matter of I have so much money that I can just catch up with cash. I don't mm -hmm. think so. No, no. Right? Like Japan, for instance, and they have a lot of money. Um, they're going to try and catch up now. But, but I really... Building those behaviors take more time. Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah. The behavior side is the yeah. difficult part. Yeah. And uh, also the, you know, I can, you know, people love Japan. People love mm -hmm. Tokyo. It's got to be more than that yeah. to build it, right? I'd love to live in Tokyo as well. Yeah. but. If I can't get my laundry done easily, yeah, all right, that's a that's going to be a challenge. And then if nobody, no corporate in Japan will actually have anybody who speak English to talk to me, mm -hmm. another big challenge, yeah, right? So I feel like that's something that we're going to be looking forward to in the next ten years is how these things uh, changed and challenged. And how does the prop tech fund play into that? And I guess did, did I see you guys did something with MTR recently? Or? No, no. But we've we've talked to all the property yeah, companies yeah. in in uh, in Hong Kong about what their plans are in this mm -hmm. space right and a lot of them are some of them are more active than others mm -hmm. um mtr i think is a is a company that makes a lot of money already All the money's from its property they really. have yeah, so yeah. much money mm -hmm. that they don't really need to worry about it just yet yeah. so that they've now working with tech stars to mm -hmm. do an accelerator program mm -hmm. i believe is a good forward step to show not only hong kong what's going on that they are actually trying to do something but it shows their staff yeah. Because again, it's all about training of the corporate mentality that, hey, get ready, this is coming. Be, you know, be you know, open to innovation. I mean, just think about Netflix. I mean, you never think that that company that sold and that rented I, DVDs I by, DVDs. by yeah, I envelope the rented DVDs. would yeah. be a threat to Disney, yeah. to Warner Brothers, to all these companies. So just think about it. If that's going to happen, then it's going to happen to MTR. Yeah. MTR is going to be disrupted. The banks are going to be disrupted. The, the logistics, the, the container ports are all going to be disrupted. Everything's going to be disrupted. If you're not thinking about it now, I think that uh, in 10 years, you're going to be like wondering why we didn't look at this in 2018, right? Yeah. So, but I mean, it's going to take time, right? Mm -hmm. And I really, now that I've seen Canadian government be backed so much, it's really going to have to do come from the government. I also thought that Singapore was a little bit crazy and their government was so um, uh, aggressive in getting mm -hmm. startups to move there, giving them funding and like that but uh, now I think that that was exactly yeah, yeah that was definitely because those those founders that may have taken the money and failed or succeeded they now are going to um, you know help mm -hmm. the next generation in which yeah. is even just five years later yeah. or people who worked at these companies are now leaving and starting their own companies mm -hmm. and they're where they're going to base Singapore right so I feel like that's a big thing so I think Hong Kong with the Greater Bay is a big uh, thing for uh, there for us as well as the um one belt, one yeah, road. Yeah, yeah. These are these are the the dreams, right? Um, these are what these are gifts, I believe, that China has bestowed upon us. Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully, they will help uh, yeah. Hong Kong to grow in the next ten years. Um, but it's going to take you know time. It's going to take a lot of uh, passionate people, yeah. a lot of smart people. Um, I think that it's the private sector. You yeah. know, like in Singapore, 
the government can help with co-work spaces uh, start, but here in Hong Kong, all the co-work spaces did it by themselves, Private. right, privately. Um, so, and this created this big boom, and there's no government, you know, they have science parks, I report, but those are like different mm -hmm. kinds of facilities, where I believe it's even more expensive than coming to a co-work space yeah, in yeah. Central now. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of different opportunities there, I think, so, um, and the prop tech angle of it is just a small part of it, because I feel like, I always told startups in the early days, if you want to raise money in Hong Kong, you should do a startup in one of those three That's verticals right. yeah. because they have investors and they understand it. You yeah. can't make a social media app yeah, yeah. or a There's photo so app. Learning to do yeah, nobody understands why would anybody want to check in yeah, or take a yeah. picture of their dinner and put it on the internet. Yeah. But if you were to do something that helps the container loads um, fill up, I mm -hmm. think that would make more sense, right? Mm -hmm. And you get um, more investment more quickly. And more investment quickly, yeah. So I feel like we lost, we missed a big opportunity yeah. there. So that's why I wanted to make sure that we're in here. We work with these people. I feel like the best way for the corporates and the developers to learn about technology is to be part of our fund, mm -hmm. right? And then we're, they can see the process and yeah. learn. I think they have money to learn and I think that's the best way to do it. We'd rather run accelerators to their programs so they can see how it works and also look at our uh, pipeline to see how we invest, what we're looking at, yeah. what can, what is out there, what is yeah, available. Because yeah. like you said, a lot of people can't travel. If you can travel and see what's going, what these guys are building in Tel Aviv mm -hmm. that can help well, can Hong, Kong. Back to Hong Kong. I know, yeah, it's yeah. just amazing, right? Yeah. So I feel like that's that's the kind of push that I'm kind of being participating in yeah. as well as bringing people back to Hong Kong for rise and being part of that whole mm -hmm. ecosystem. Do you think, you mentioned there about the, the Belt and Road and obviously we've had the, the bridges open now, the, the train. Um, and there's kind of this vision for Shenzhen, this whole Greater Bay Area, to kind of become this this hub. Do you think that might dilute the special source that Hong Kong has had? And uh, obviously, Shenzhen is a powerful tech place now. Yeah. Huge amounts of uh, the, the big uh, Chinese tech companies are based there. Um, obviously, lots of startups and smaller companies might choose Hong Kong because it's a kind of a half and half place. Yeah. Uh, particularly for attracting international talent. But as everything becomes a little bit more blended. I think are the government building something up near the border as well as a new yeah, cyberport sort of place. Right. Right. Are we going to start to see maybe the going straight into Shenzhen is more palatable for bigger companies and they don't need to come to Hong Kong anymore and it starts losing a little bit of that essence. I think that we both uh, can agree that that probably won't happen yeah. in terms of that Hong Kong is so westernized mm -hmm. and there's even in Shenzhen is right on the border is totally not westernized yeah. at all. Mm -hmm. Even though they have time and money to try to transform it. I've been there uh, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. So I don't think so. I think that that's Hong, and that's again Hong Kong's greatest play will be what it's always been, the gateway to China, but not in a different way. Not like you have to come to Hong Kong to get to China. Yeah. You'll go to China through Hong Kong now, yeah. right? And Hong Kong, our soft skills are going to be the biggest ones. I think. Mm -hmm. I think that China can build and manufacture and produce at an alarmingly fast rate, mm -hmm. but nobody's screaming for a Xiaomi phone. Yeah, Nobody's yeah, screaming yeah. for a Huawei phone, yeah. right? Outside of China. Outside of China, they're, they're very, they find a real challenge branding yeah. and marketing. And so that, I believe, is going to be... That's one thing I saw in New York. I went to a conference there. It was all about um, direct-to-consumer commerce. Mm -hmm. And uh, all the stuff they were selling was from China, yeah. but branded by Americans. Yeah, yeah. And Instagram and yeah. Snapchat, mm -hmm. looking super cool. I didn't think I would want to buy a 12 US dollar uh, deodorant stick mm -hmm. until I saw how cool they marketed it, yeah, right? Yeah. And I'm not a millennial. So imagine. Yeah. So I think Hong Kong, that's going to be Hong Kong strong suit. And I don't know about you, but recently I've heard a lot of European languages being spoken in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. In Garage Society, I alone, I've there's French companies, Italian companies. Yeah. There's so many European companies there, and I think they have already seen it. They mm -hmm. are seeing this kind of bridge where yeah. they can add their soft skill value mm -hmm. to the hard skills of China. And I don't, I still think that the train is there exactly. You can take a train 
and you can come back in the same day. Yeah. No, there's no stopping it now. I think that Hong Kong has still got its power, but we have to understand we're not a tech powerhouse and we yeah. never will be. Yeah. We have to figure out, I think, the soft skill side of it and showcase that point and be like the cool place that it is. Like everything that people enjoy about Rise is the stuff that should be amplified rather mm -hmm. than try to say, oh, Science Park is going to be the place where all the tech graduates go to. It's like, not really. Yeah. I think that uh, it's, going to, it's going to be in China and Chinese market will be the end and run, but mm -hmm. there's going to be, China's going to want to come out as well, yeah. right, to the world. And they're going to come out through Korea, Hong Kong. Korea, yeah. They're not going to come out through Taiwan for sure. They're not going to come out through Japan. <laughs> they're going to come out through Hong Kong. And I think that that is going to be Hong Kong's serious core benefit. Like everybody keeps saying, oh, the train is taking us to there. It's actually them to come here to work with us closer, Effectively. right? Effectively. And uh, I think that will be helping them to then move into the West market because I really believe that um, the Chinese branding is probably one of the worst in the world. I think that's the Chinese Compared to their to. money, yeah, their capitalization yeah, yeah. is massive, yeah. right? Um, it's interesting, yeah, Japanese products were able to really crack that in the 80s, 90s, yeah. right? They started to really explore, and that's why Japanese culture and uh, equipment and electronics became a thing amongst in the Western society. Yeah. Um, but China's just not really... Yeah, in technology, answer. definitely. But I think I still think Japan's soft skills are the strongest, mm -hmm. more than their technology. Mm -hmm. And to think about it, um, there's a famous manga series called Dragon Ball mm -hmm. from Japan. Yeah. 20, almost 30 years ago now, came yeah. out. And uh, it got international success because an American dude went to Japan and brought it, bought the rights and translated mm -hmm. to English. Okay. So the Japanese never thought that anybody outside Japan would ever want it. Okay. And then when I went to Japan and said I knew what it was, everyone was shocked. Yeah, like, yeah, How do you yeah. know what this is, right? And so I feel like it's always going to be like that. It's going to yeah. be an enterprising person that goes into these markets finds out what they can do and bring it back out. And that's how that kind of content's gonna make it out. I think that's what's happened in China as well. Yeah. I think that's definitely gonna happen in China. I guess that's part of what you're doing with your, you have this, if anyone's listening, you have your regular <laughs> email. Oh, yeah. um, and I think you could be quite inspiring for someone who's looking to follow their passions. Uh, everything you seem passionate about seems to have uh, been translated into some form of business venture or work angle or sure. something that's keeping you going. Yeah. Um, have you got any advice to someone who's looking to follow a passion or um, just to, to get stuck in with something that they feel that they could contribute to, um, but they're feeling they're kind of held back from it, whether it's because of work commitment or what they're doing now and they feel that they, they can change? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's that's kind of hard. I guess it depends on the person, right? Mm -hmm. I always see those kind of things where you should follow your passion and stuff yeah. like that and hustle and things like that. But I feel like it's really up to the individual, Yeah. right? I mean, if you're comfortable watching Netflix, in the evening and not really doing anything or typing an email or making a podcast or doing anything. I mean, that's fine. That's yeah. just your, what you're, you're going to do. Right. Oh. But I mean, if you want to try something, um, this, I mean, think about it. It's just incredible. The amount of distribution tools we have today. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, I just saw the streamy awards winners and I'm thinking, Holy crap, these people I've never heard of before. But they are all probably more famous than the movie stars that I grew up the, with in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just incredible. Yeah. Like, I, I love this new show called Daredevil on Netflix. And the main the main actor, his name is Charlie Cox, right? He's, mm -hmm. a, he's an English actor, yeah. but he's an, he plays an American. I bet you that nobody, not enough, as many people know who he is compared to the number one uh, YouTuber right now, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm just shocked by that. And those YouTubers are not celebrities in the terms of like a Tom Cruise today, but they are more, probably bigger than Tom Cruise, right? Yeah. They command an audience that just... In the millions of people spending yeah, hours of their time. Of their time looking at what they're doing. Yeah. And they're not even producing like yeah. a scripted show. There's not a team behind... Well, there's a team behind some of them, but not like a yeah. full production team and things like that, selling ads and things like that. So I feel like 
if somebody can do that out of their bedroom and cause that much commotion, then anybody can do it, right? Yeah. It just depends on time. Like, so for instance, I've always wanted to do a YouTube channel, right? That's yeah. been a thing. You know, I, there's a guy named Casey Nestad in New York. Yeah. I watch his things. I'm like, this guy's great. Um, and he just has such a passion to do it. And but basically, I bought a camera. I bought all the equipment that yeah, he's done, yeah. and I just don't have the passion. I still, cannot still turn it on. Well yeah. Kind of stuff. Like, I cannot so much even, energy. I'm thinking, what should I talk about? Um, you know, should I do this? Should I do that? So it's very hard. So I dabble in it. So I, I did another podcast about comics, which I, mm -hmm. which I love in pop culture. Um, but yeah, just doing like a four or five episode mini series to try it's, it's you it's have to like grind it and yeah. want to do it. Yeah. And, uh, it depends on your output, what you want to do. And so I feel like that's just not me, yeah. um, at this moment. Uh, so I think that other people will be able to take over that, that spot. So I feel like if you have passion, you should try it and there's any way to do it. Like even my, like you mentioned my newsletter, I try to do that every two weeks now. I just kind of an update of things I'm reading, mm -hmm. send it to my friends actually. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then, so they don't have to like go to Facebook or yeah. Instagram to see what I'm up to. This is kind of like an educational thing. And I have a lot of people subscribe to it who I don't even know, yeah. who just maybe want to know what's going on in Asia or yeah. what do I look at through my eyes. It's a very five minute read. It's not even a long thing. Uh, but I feel like for me, it's like a journal. Mm -hmm. So I kind of write it and it forces me to sit down for a couple hours and kind of just hammer it out, which I enjoy mm -hmm. doing. Um, and I think that's the start, right? If you're yeah. passionate to do something, just do it like that. Right? Yeah. Just like this podcast, right? You want to do a podcast, talk to the members. I feel like if you have something to say or something you're interested in, you should just start doing it, right? That's how Startups HK started. Just start doing it, yeah. We, consistency we, as well, right? Yeah, just consistency. Keep if you, even if you look at Hong Kong, say, events, there's so many different uh, event series here in Hong Kong that blossom up and then just peter out because yeah. people can't keep the consistency. That is something. So that's one thing that we did with Startups HK at the beginning. Yeah. We did Startup Monday. Mm -hmm. So we gave it a name. Mm -hmm. So that meant people would ask, when is it? Well, it's called Startup Monday, so yeah. it must be on Monday. So it's sometime on Monday. So we started in the morning, trying to do it like the first thing you kick off your week with, but of course that was a bit tough for people to get to. So we did in the evening, we just kept going. It didn't matter if 100 people showed up or five people showed up. We yeah. did it it's every there. single yeah. week, and it was like, that's how it built from there. Yeah. So yeah, I, I definitely think consistency is a major thing, and I think that is gonna, that is the, the chaff cutter, right? Yeah. If you can do it, if you can cut it, if you can cut it, yeah. you're gonna keep going, right? Yeah. And if you can't, then yeah, you're gonna peter out. But that's basically what happens, I think. Uh, you know, I'm also trying to write a book, yeah. right? I'm trying to do all man these of things. Many, man of many I'm trying to do Fingers all these many things. Pies. Yeah, I yeah. want to do them all, but it's it's just a matter of sitting down and concentrating to do it, right? And I'm also I'm not a millennial, but I'm also distracted by all the social media, yeah. all the news. Something cool comes out. I'm a big superhero movie fan, Netflix fan. I'm comics, books, yeah. technology, uh, traveling, right? There's all these things going on at the same time that. Um, it's a great time to be alive. There's yeah, a lot of yeah, stuff going yeah. on, but, uh, at the same time, uh, I feel like, you, you know, focus actually is more yeah. important than doing, being passionate about something. Just choose one thing and kind of focus, focus on, on it. it for a time and, uh, and then it, see how it goes. Yeah. Stronger. I think that's a, goes into my next question, which we've talked a lot about business, startups, tech, etc. but there's also a lifestyle piece, I guess, around startups and you seem to be moving into the minimalist sort of, uh, sure. the, the piece at the moment. Yeah. Um, any, any, uh, insights into minimalism and you know cutting away digital nomads uh, cutting away all the i mean it's an interesting uh it's an interesting discussion because i think minimal there's all this minimalism stuff online but then everyone still has high-tech gadgets everyone's still yeah. they're minimalist but they're minimalist with a slr camera and a new iphone yeah and a, so what are your thoughts on the whole story? okay so well because i travel so much i don't want to 
contain so much stuff. Actually trying to travel with like one bag. Mm -hmm. Is it possible? And I found out it is totally yeah. possible. And yeah, there's that documentary on Netflix called mm -hmm. Minimalism and those two guys called The Minimalists. Yeah. And I've been following them around, reading some of their stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think maybe they take it to uh, extreme, extreme yeah, yeah. I think. I don't think that, I think stuff in our lives is important, uh, but you have to choose the important stuff, right? So for me, I'm a collector of geek merchandise, right? But do I really need it, right? I can't really take it with me everywhere I go. So I, I find out what is actually the points in my life that I enjoy the most. And so mm -hmm. I do have the three gadgets in my life, which I use for, I use every day. And I feel like, sure, an iPhone XS Max is extremely expensive, but I use it a hundred times a day. Mm -hmm. It's my lifeline to the world. And if I didn't have it, would I be happier? Uh, would I be, could I do what I do? Mm -hmm. I, I would have to say no. Yeah. Right. And so, but I'll keep that, but I won't keep the 12 inch Batman action figure, right? Yeah, that yeah, yeah. doesn't really, it brings me joy to look at, but doesn't actually help me on a day to day basis. Yeah. So it's like the iPad Pro, the iPhone and the MacBook, right? Mm -hmm. These are my, mm -hmm. these are my main devices. And I feel like, uh, that's a minimalist lifestyle. So traveling and then, you know, of course I try, you know, you know me, I don't really, I'm not a fashion star, so yeah. I don't really have the most fashionable wardrobe. I wear kind of the same things every day. Yeah. So just pare it all down. So just figuring out how to pare things down. And I, I feel like, I feel I feel better about it, yeah. right? I don't know. It's just it's like, a weird uh, thing. That's yeah. You're like, it's a you're weird thing. Held down, I guess, by our possessions. Yeah, um, I, but I mean, it's different for everybody, so you can't really say it. But that minimalism documentary had families in there yeah. that lived a minimalist lifestyle. They filmed their in their houses, and they have like nothing. They've got nothing there. And yeah. it looks kind of weird, right? Because a little family, eerie when you yeah. My family at home in Canada, they put like every appliance yeah. on the table. And I don't know how much of it actually gets used. Yeah. Right? Because I, also, I guess, yeah, <laughs> a lot of your decoration is starting, it's reflecting your inner character, right? Isn't yeah. It? You, people put books up because they're like, I read. People put yeah. CDs because like, I listen to music. People yeah. put action figures because exactly. like, I like comics. Yeah. So when you start exactly. stripping that away, you're just basically saying, I'm free of everything. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, that's true. So I think you're right, though. People buy things to define their character yeah. and their yeah, personality. Yeah, yeah. But guess what? Where's our number one personality and character being shown these days? On the internet. Yeah, internet. So actually, most important thing is that my Twitter profile, my looks. Facebook looks like me. Yeah, yeah. Right? And shows what I do. I have a, I even have a Goodreads mm -hmm. account, which, yeah. is a, which is a book yeah, reading app yeah. club, yeah. Network, social network, and I put all my books in there. So everybody who cares about me or even has any interest in what I like, can see it there. Yeah. So I don't actually, and now all those books exist on my iPad. Yeah. I don't have those physical books mm -hmm. at all. Yeah. So it's the same thing, right? Yeah. So yeah, virtual goods, even virtual goods and all this stuff, I also think, who'd buy a virtual Batman toy? That sounds insane. But actually, you yes, that is, and that is going to be the, the future. Yeah, yeah, that will be the future. They, is that, they trade, don't they? And some of those trade, online games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Farmer or something. It's amazing. Sell it on. So I, I feel bad for like uh, physical retail. Like if you're not selling something that's like disposable, like something that's usable. Like so I buy like those Harry's razors. Mm -hmm. That that's a cheap, easy, fast thing. I have the Quip toothbrush. Mm -hmm. Automatically changes. So these are the things I subscribe to actually. Yeah. And then I don't need anything else. Yeah. So when I see ads for Gillette razors and different kinds of toothpaste and toothbrushes. It's going to fall dead. dead yeah. Uh, well, they're, yes, they're not going to reach me anymore. I yeah. don't know who's their target. Mm -hmm. The millennials are not buying um, these things either. Yeah. And old people are not buying a fancy Gillette razor that cuts, you know, trims 15 20, times. 20 blades. Yeah, yeah, 20 blades. They're not interested in that either. So where's that market going, right? Yeah, yeah. So I feel like this is what people don't understand. It's like they are living in their own world if they're executives and they don't see, and, but they have kids and they don't they see their kids are like, they don't want these things anymore, mm -hmm. right? 
they're they're also going to a minimalist lifestyle, right? Because they don't want they these want things that their families thing. have, right? Yeah. Uh, same thing with all these brands. Why are people buying a toothpaste online? Because they don't want to buy Colgate. Because yeah. my dad uses Colgate, right? And I'm not my dad. I'm my own person. So again, using these kind of new uh, consumer brands is defining your character, mm -hmm. right? So I feel like that is the biggest thing that I've taken away in the last few months anyways, is that this, this complete shift in the way that we think and we consume, um, at least from the millennial point of view, right? Mm -hmm. the, not even the Gen Y and Gen Z, which are another group of people yeah. that they're par getting ready to target, right? Mm -hmm. Um, the millennial market alone is in the workforce now, right? Um, and they're just thinking differently mm -hmm. about everything. Mm -hmm. And so well, I feel like, yeah. Nice. yeah. And so like in Hong Kong, when I don't see a lot of organic products, mm -hmm. I don't see a lot of healthy options. I just see the cha cha tan selling, you know, fried noodles yeah. that are made in a factory with uh, a lot of gluten and all these other things. I feel like that seems really backwards mm -hmm. you know like i mean we're, at the beginning we're talking about the payment yeah the payment system to me i don't think it's the least word of our worries right now when we go on downstairs from garage society here to have something to eat our options are very limited for healthy eating yeah. at, an, a, at an affordable price those traditional restaurants aren't red, they're not starting to add new items to the menu they're not really starting no. to and they're not looking at that they've just got the same models which i guess wants to business ages out or the family ages out it's it'll then it might change right yeah. that because it's very expensive to open you can't just open an organic yeah. um dim some place downstairs mm -hmm. and, and expect to make money and people come in and buy it right yeah. uh, because you know there's a different kind of mindset to what people eat here uh for lunch and mm -hmm. the, the lunch culture here yeah. but i i really believe that's a major thing like 7-eleven doesn't even carry anything healthy yeah. it's still carrying all these carbonated um, uh, all the drinks, uh, snacks, those uh, corn syrups, uh, yeah. drinks. I just can't believe it. When I go to the Seven Eleven in the U.S., I'm like, I thought this was a fast food junk culture, but they really do have options, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that is a huge thing. That, I, that's why I like these food services too, right? So uh, if you can't find anything in the restaurant, then you can use a Food Panda or a Deliveroo or Uber Eats to actually find you deliverable, mm -hmm. healthy choices, right? Mm -hmm. That are sustainable. Mm -hmm. um, that's a whole other thing that I now didn't even know. Like I've not been a food person, but I've seen the options at the Whole Foods yeah. and seen like, wow, this is amazing. And all this plant-based protein that's coming out. Yeah. This is another thing I'm very excited about because how come, I mean, it's going to come here eventually, right? I mean, people have seen the Impossible Burgers and all these kind of things. It's going to come out here. But when I go to a Yum Cha and I'm having Impossible like you know, I got into my yeah. wow. I'll wow. be like that's gonna, but that's gonna sure. that's gonna come sooner than later. I think to sustain Hong Kong, right? Mm -hmm. um, but those are those are those are questions for startups to answer, and I think that that's something again the Hong Kong startups are not looking at, right? Okay, well that leads into my last question then around more. What should Hong Kong startups be looking at? Where is Hong Kong going, and what are your hopes for the future here? I guess, and obviously, PropTech is one of them. But PropTech is uh, definitely one of them. Where Where do you think this conversation is going to be in, say, three years' time? Three years? Wow! I still think that everybody in Hong Kong should be looking at China. Yeah. I just really believe it. I think it's tough to say no. I know there's a lot of animosity between the countries. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of problems in the governments and things like that. Um, so yeah, the other day, somebody told me that they heard the term. The storm is coming mm -hmm. many times. Either they're thinking about the next season of Game of Thrones, but I believe they're thinking about the Chinese government. Yeah. But I mean, it's either we can be Taiwan or we can be Hong Kong and try our best to work with China. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is the number one thing, right? Because I don't believe Hong Kong's skill sets are strong enough to compete in the international market, mm -hmm. like say the, the European market, the US market. Yeah. Um, the ones that have, are fantastic but those are really the lottery winners right mm -hmm. I think that um, 
we really have to look at the Chinese uh, market and the Greater Bay thing as an opportunity rather than a takeover. Mm -hmm. um, and I know it's going to be hard, right? Because the media is completely always against it. You see all this stuff happening in the streets here. Like, everything's negative about it. But I feel like it's the only way forward. And I feel like it's tough. It's, it's a close and lower, lowest hanging fruit for mm -hmm. us to get involved in. Because what's going to happen next is all the Americans, the Europeans who come to rise are want to get involved in China. And they're not going to go to China themselves right. because they're not going to be able to find those partners. The partners will come from Hong Kong yes. who understand China. And if Hong Kong guys in Causeway Bay and Wan Chai don't know what's going on in Shenzhen, you are out of the equation because how it's like me being from Vancouver not knowing how to ski. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. It's kind of weird. Or living in Honolulu and not knowing how to swim. Yeah. Impossible. So I feel like that is really the only one message I want to partake right now. It's just to make sure that people know what's going on. Mm -hmm. There's tons of podcasts and, and articles written written in English yeah. about what's happening in China. But of course, China, for us, it's so cheap to take the train up there now. I think that the, the biggest thing is to take a look at what's happening up there in terms of conferences, go up there, mm -hmm. hang out in co-work spaces, whatever. Um, that, I know that's my, my yeah. plan for 2019 for sure, is to get more involved in, in Shenzhen and Guangzhou and just see what's going on and see how I can tie uh, closer to that into my trips to North America, Canada, things like that. Great. Well... Excited for that, and hopefully I can join you for a few. I came to that startup salad a couple of years ago. It was an interesting conference over there. Um, thanks to Casey for joining us for today's Thank startup race. Um, hopefully see you soon. All the best with Korea and uh, Lisbon. Yeah, for sure. I'm very jealous. Okay. See you soon. Thank you. Thanks.